Hello, my name is Ethan, and welcome back to Crossroads Conversations. Well, I am glad to be back after a fairly lengthy break. So this is going to be part five of Water to Wine, A Journey of Faith and Self-Discovery. And in this episode today, I'm going to be picking up where I left off in the last episode. So I'll be covering late 2019 into 2020 and probably beyond. So if that sounds interesting to you, let's get started. Uh, Before I get started, I do want to offer a pretty quick overview for why I've not posted anything in the past two months to this page and why I kind of have not updated anything. So basically, in August, I had an emergency appendectomy, and that kind of threw me for a loop, and as a result, I was kind of out of commission for a little bit, and I missed a quite a bit of time at work, and just as a result, I did not really feel like talking to myself in my apartment um, to you lovely folks for uh, an episode or two, so I decided to kind of take a break, and then um, like two or three weeks later, I got engaged, and then three weeks after that, I came down with one of the worst cases of COVID-19 I've ever had. I've had COVID three times by my count. Um, Both times previous were completely asymptomatic, and I was basically fine the entire time. But this third time, um, maybe because it's a new strain, maybe because I've not been boosted in like a year and a half, I, for whatever reason, it really was not good and knocked me on my back for like five days. And I felt absolutely terrible. So I'm actually really just kind of getting back into the flow of things. My immune system is gone Um, my energy levels are completely depleted because of just back to back the surgery. And then on top of that, the sickness. So, uh, it has been a very hectic few months. Um, having said that I do, uh, I do want to kind of turn my attention back to this conversation that I've been having on this page about, uh, my own faith journey and some of the places that, it has uh, taken me over the last few years, and I, I left off talking in the last episode about uh, 2019, and so I think I should probably start back there. So um, I don't know that I can adequately recap anything that I've talked about in the past without taking way too long, so if you need to revisit some of those, uh, the previous four parts, um, feel free. Uh, so I think where I'll start is in around August of 2019, I was really having a a very rough go of it. And I actually remember, I was reading a book by one of my favorite authors, uh, John Steinbeck, and a very early Steinbeck novel by the name of To a God Unknown. And if you've never read it, it's a pretty harrowing novel. It's fairly dark, and in a lot of ways, it sort of paralleled my own feelings at the time, and there's this overwhelming sense in the novel that our our lead character is disconnected from uh, the divine, and this shows up in a number of ways. Uh, I don't want to spoil the book, but it shows up, one of the ways that it shows up is in the fact that nothing on his farm grows at all. 
And I, I really related to this. And I remember I wrote in my journal uh, around August 11th, maybe, of that year. And I just remember saying, I feel inexplicably lost. And I followed that up by saying, I know that there's nowhere I can be where God is not. But sometimes I feel like I do my best to find the places where he isn't and then anticipate that he will be there. And it was just a really dark place uh, for a number of reasons. Uh, First and foremost, I felt incredibly isolated. Uh, I felt like my identity um, was just deeply contingent on things that I no longer felt were 100% um, trustworthy. And and that just created a, a ton of um, a ton of self doubt and being in a community with other people that seemed to have so much fulfillment and seemed to have so much joy and and were gaining so much from that community, enjoying other voices and, and being invigorated, it really created a type of negative feedback loop for me, seeing that gosh, I really feel like the lone ranger here. I really feel like the lone wolf out. And I was just going through it. (laughs) It's the only way I know to say it. And this had been kind of a reoccurring theme, but 2019 was pretty rough, in particular the the last few months. And one of the only ways that I was really able to overcome some of that was because of – a play that I was uh, cast in. So really amazingly, I was able to take a lot of emotions that I was feeling internally and use it and utilize it for a character that needed that really intense emotion. And so I played the lead role in The the Crucible by Arthur Miller. I played John Proctor. And pretty much every single night on that stage, I would tell people, that it was just me having a full-blown panic attack on stage and allowing the audience to kind of witness it along with me. And I used it as an opportunity to vent a lot of my emotions, to take a lot of these really difficult um, subjects that I'd been feeling, these hard, hard emotions, and funnel it into something that I felt like was pretty positive. And I might talk at length in another episode about um, my kind of connection to the theater world and, and some of the ways that that's been really helpful for me and just some of the ways that art in general has been so useful um, for me over the years in terms of coping with things that otherwise I don't know how I would would have been able to uh, deal with them privately or publicly. But all that being said, 2019 was tough and it, it didn't end just because the year ended. And so we rolled, I rolled into 2020 feeling like I was heading for the cliff. Uh, like I was heading for the, uh, heading far out into the deep unknown and not really understanding where I would go next. At this point, I was pretty unsure about my own faith. I, I knew that there were some absolutes in my life and I knew there were some things that were as solid as the ground I was standing on, but there was so much that I was unsure about. And some of those things I've outlined in the past uh, in relation to my uh, apostolic Pentecostal upbringing, the 
some of the ideas like um, baptism in Jesus' name, um, speaking in tongues, and the kind of idea that if a person had not done these things, that they were outside the Christian family, um, as we defined it. And all of those things were compounding that along with some of the uh, socio-cultural beliefs that were also a part of that, uh, things that um, they would sort of term as uh, standards or these holiness principles, you know, women don't cut their hair, uh, you don't wear short sleeves, women wear skirts, all these types of things that were creating... um, just a lot of frustration for me because all of this seemed to be right to a ton of people. And yet at the same time, it didn't hit me as right. It it hit me in a different way. And it made me feel just incredibly confused because a lot of it just hit me in ways that were negative. And I saw some of the impact of it on people that I knew. And it wasn't helpful to them. It wasn't good to them. And it was actually causing them harm. And yet for other people, it wasn't doing that. For other people, it was perfectly fine. And for other people, it was actually life-giving. And it actually seemed to be a way that they were stepping into freedom, which didn't make any sense to me at all. How could one, how could a belief system cause harm to one group of people? And yet other people seem to be elevated because of it. Some groups, while maybe different from my own perspective, are thriving, while other people that I'm also close to are leaving in droves because to them, this belief system is causing them an immense pain, immense emotional and psychological pain. And so holding this intention, holding these two ideas was causing me so much um, just difficulty. And in the midst of this, I'm, I'm trying to deal with that while also dealing with the fact that my, my girlfriend at the time is just joining this um, religious setting that I've been a part of my entire life. She's made the decision to become Pentecostal, and she is taking steps into my community. She, throughout the next year, would make a number of moves to further um, just entangle herself with with my life, which was fantastic. But it also created some tension because here I am wondering about the overall efficacy of any of this. And my lovely girlfriend, and who I'm now engaged to, by the way, um, my girlfriend at the time is uh, trying her best to fit into this worldview that has always been mine and has always been a part of my life. And here I am wondering about whether or not any of it matters, whether any of it is useful, whether it's efficacious for her or for me, and whether she needs to even be worrying about it. And, and maybe beyond that, whether I'm going to be a part of it when she's a part of it. If she were to join uh, this church, whether I would still be there and whether it would mean the same thing to me that it now seems to mean to her. So these are the kinds of things that I'm, I'm dealing with in those later months of 2019 and into early 2020. This is kind of the landscape. This is where I'm at. 2020 also begins with me beginning to integrate my girlfriend, Rebecca, now my fiance, into my family and beginning to make some of those steps to make her a part of the family eventually, 
with both of our eyes being set towards eventually getting married and raising a family. And so that along with, I mean, all the stressors that come with uh, trying to be in a relationship around a group of people that you've known for years and years and people that are also your family. And so trying to make all of that work, the stress was, I mean, indescribable at times. But I knew that we were heading in the right direction. But I knew that there was going to be some some difficulties because of some of what I've I've talked about. And I remember there were so many nights that Rebecca and I um, would sit outside of my house, the house I grew up in, and we would just talk about, you know, where are you at spiritually? What kinds of things are you wondering about? What kinds of questions? What kind of questions are you asking? What sorts of things are you curious about? So at that time, Rebecca did not live uh, around me. She lived about 45 minutes away in a, in a town called Natchitoches while I was living in Ball, it's, which is about 45 minutes to an hour away. And so we were still somewhat long distance, um, although she was pretty much there on a weekly basis. And so it didn't feel as much like it was, it was long distance. But I remember every night that she would take that drive, I would call her and we would, we would detox. We would talk about, you know, what kinds of things are, are settling on you uh, you know, what's your perspective on all this stuff? You know, here you are. You're coming into this religious space that I've always been a part of. I don't know anything beyond this. How is all this settling on you? What is what is this doing to you? And we would talk about so many things. Um, I remember there was a conference that was held that she attended that I didn't go to that was attended about the principles of women not cutting their hair, this kind of thing. And I remember asking her, you know, how, how does that settle on you? What, what, is that, what does that do for you? Is, is that useful to you? Does that kind of idea fill you with, with any particular like emotion? Are you just curious? And most of the time, that's what it was. There was a, just a genuine curiosity on her part to learn, this isn't something I'm familiar with, Ethan. This is something I'm hearing about for the first time. So I'm just trying to go into this with an open mind and and you seem like you're just ready to shut it down. You seem like you don't want me to even be exposed to some of this stuff because it seems like you've already made up your mind about it. Um, and I remember telling her one night, you know, I'm, I'm really I'm really trying here. That's what I said. I'm really trying to give you the the best possible experience here. And and I want you to get it. I want you to have a positive experience. I just know that for me some of this stuff has not been helpful and some of this stuff has just not been good for me. And I want, I want it to be different for you, but I don't know how it can be different for you. I don't know how we can hear the same things and it settles on you in a way that ultimately does more damage than it, than it does good for your soul. And that's not what I want for you. And so that quickly became a, a type of, uh, a type of reoccurring motif in, in that early part. And then all of a sudden, we're in March, and the entire world shuts down on a moment's notice. And all of the ensuing political uh, and sociocultural fights that seemingly had just been brewing in the background for a long time suddenly rose to the surface and were so public. And I think that, for me in those months, sitting at home, not being able to go anywhere, not being able to do anything, 
is what inspired me to finally go, okay, you know what? It's time to settle this. It's time to figure some things out for sure, to know what it is that I really honestly believe and what kinds of things I, I certainly don't believe. And so that led me to doing a lot of studying and deliberating quite a bit about some of these subjects that I've already kind of talked about and trying to figure out what exactly was useful, what exactly is helpful to me and what exactly uh, isn't helpful. And all of this is, of course, interspersed with a ton of um, challenges, both at, you know, around my family unit, in my family unit, and with me and Rebecca, as we're all trying to adjust to this new world in in the pandemic. And it was difficult, um, not just for us, but for everyone. And we were having a number of conversations about, I remember at some point, you know, how exactly do we adjust to the world as it is now in terms of wearing masks, eventually getting vaccinated, how does all of this ever return or revert back to the way that the world used to be? I mean, we were literally telling some very close friends, I, you know, I don't know if you should be over here all the time because uh, you know, there's a very good chance that you could have COVID and you could spread it to our household. So I think it's probably best that um, you know we, we just not see each other. And so suddenly it's just our family unit. And I will say of of all the of all the bad that came out of COVID nineteen, I, I will say that in in some sense it was at least a reprieve from all of the noise of my life. That I was finally able to sit with family, to sit with uh, all of these ideas that I've been carrying for years, and not be so not be so darn worried for once as odd as that seems and i'm i'm not at all trying to downplay the severity of the covid-19 pandemic i mean please hear my heart on this um it is i mean we are still in the midst of that pandemic it is not ended and we are incredibly uh lucky and more than lucky um we have been incredibly blessed by the gifts of science in this country to be able to administer vaccines at the rate that we've uh, done it and millions of lives have been saved although millions of live lives have had already been lost at that point so i'm not at all trying to downplay the covid 19 pandemic please don't hear that what i am trying to say is that in the midst of all of that pain there were some opportunities for good things to happen in the midst in despite it and one of those stories that I'll tell that I, I think for me, it set up the, the course of, it set the course for the trajectory that I think I'm on now. And, and maybe in a few years, I'll look back and I'll go, oh, no, I think I was always on this trajectory. But I, I know for a fact that at least part of where I am right now comes from 2020. So Part of my role at the church that I was attending at the time was making social media graphics, of all things. Uh, and also, uh, I would do quite a bit in the sound booth and in the like AV department of our church. And so as a result, I had a key at all times. So I could always kind of go up to the church, and we 
lived pretty nearby the church. I mean, it was literally less than a two-minute drive, maybe a minute and a half if you're speeding over the over the train tracks where we lived. So we were always pretty close to the church that I attended. And because everything shut down and we weren't having in-person services and because there were there was basically um, nothing else to do, as crazy as this sounds, I many times would alternate between going up to the church to pray, to meditate, to just sit in silence sometimes and just be there and and feel safe and feel um, reprieve almost. Or sometimes I would go out to the Pentecostal campgrounds, which is in Tioga, and would sometimes just walk around and pray and meditate and just be out there in the in the midst of uh, this very large campgrounds. If you've if you've never been out there, uh, just incredibly beautiful grounds and it's filled with so much history and history that's very personal for me and personal for a lot of people that grew up in Central Louisiana. And so there's a ton of stories there and there's a lot of legacy there and. For some reason, being in those two places was always a kind of way to reconnect with myself and was always a way that when I needed to chat with God and when I knew that I needed to talk to God, those were the kinds of places that I would find myself. On one such occasion, I go to the church on <laughs> just some random Tuesday and you know everything shut down. This would have been in April of 2020, so we're in the midst of the pandemic. It was right before Easter. I remember this. It was right before Easter. It may have been Holy Week, um, but I'm not. I'm not entirely sure of the exact timeline because I didn't write this down. Of all things, to not write down. But so I go up there, and there's actually someone else who was there who was serving on staff at the time, and he and I had a very brief conversation. We were both wearing masks, but we have a very brief conversation in the lobby. And then I walk in and he leaves. He had been praying there, but he leaves. And so it's just me, uh, totally alone in uh, in this church, and the church I attended. And I did the same exact thing that I did every single time. And I I just had a spot. And I'm sure that, if, you know, if you regularly attend, uh, if you regularly attend a church like the one that I'm talking about, uh, and I'm mainly referring to a type of Pentecostal evangelical church the, the where Altar calls are a key and like a primary part of the service. They're integral, in fact, to the worship, where at the end of the service, the pastor, the preacher, whatever, will give an altar call, and everyone will come up and have an opportunity to pray, to rededicate their life, to repent, whatever, whatever the language may be in your case. Uh, And if you go to one of those churches, you know, you just have a spot that you like to go, you like to stand, you like to kneel at, wherever it may be. And I had a spot, and it was on the immediate left-hand side of where the pulpit was, right near the steps. And, I mean, I could take you to the spot right now, and I could put my finger on it. And that's the place that I would often go to pray, and that's the place where I would go that I knew, if I'm going to hear from God, I'm going to hear from Him in this spot. (laughs) You know, that's just how it was, right? And that's the spot I'm in. I'm kneeling there, and I remember I hadn't been there very long, maybe five minutes, and I just was saying, God, I just want to do your will. I don't know necessarily what that means for me yet. I know that we have <laughs> I, we have been in a really complicated 
kind of back and forth over the last few years. I've had a ton of questions, and I know I've had a ton of questions about what you're up to, and I'm sure you have questions about what I'm up to. But God, at the end of the day, I just want to do your will. And as sure as I'm talking to you right now, and maybe this is too mystical, or maybe this is too Pentecostal for some of you, but as sure as I'm talking to you, as soon as I said it, It was as though an audible voice immediately said to me, Jonah, 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 why are you going to Tarshish when you belong in Nineveh? Why are you going to Tarshish when you belong in Nineveh? Just like that. And immediately I said, hmm, um, so... I don't understand. But those, that phrase, Jonah, 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 repeated three times along with the additional, why are you going to Tarshish when you belong in Nineveh? Stayed with me. That phrase stayed with me. And for the next, my goodness, for the next two years, really, after that, without fail, nearly every time, nearly every time I would pray, especially in that spot, those are the same words I would hear, without fail. I mean, almost every single time. I don't want to say every single time, but pretty close to it, those are the words I would hear. And as a result, I began studying the, the book of Jonah, and I've, I've uh, done a kind of a an explanation of the book of Jonah on this podcast before if you're curious uh that's something that you can you can listen to it's already here but i began to think very much about myself as a type of jonah as this type of person who has a very particular type of destiny and if even if that's the right word but a very particular mission and something that he has been instructed to do something that has been entrusted to him, but that he refuses to do either out of arrogance or ignorance or for some other reason. Who knows? But he doesn't do it, and he ends up going to Tarshish. He ends up not going to Nineveh. Maybe it's because of fear. Maybe it's because he does not want God to forgive the Ninevites. We don't really know. We we have a ton of theories, but we don't really know. And that story began to feel more like my story than I think I've, I've ever connected with another character in the biblical tradition, in, in the biblical text. I don't know that I've ever felt the struggle of that character, of any other character, more than I felt his struggle. And I began to really understand later, I mean, ne- nearly a year later, honestly, that part of what I was feeling was that I knew that I needed to eventually leave the place that I was and move outside, both spiritually and physically. So both a metaphorical move, but also a very literal move. And then I really eventually began to feel like God was saying, Ethan, you need to be in Tulsa. You need to leave from where you are, and you need to be in Tulsa. But also, Ethan... Spiritually, you're here, and you know that right here is not really where you need to be. You know, this isn't really the spot where 
I want to place you. This isn't the place where I want you to be, and you know that. And one of the reasons you know that is because you keep hitting walls. You keep running up against something, and you keep getting stopped dead in your tracks. That should be your sign, is that you're on the boat going to Tarshish when you need to be heading to Nineveh. And that began to to knot my soul. I mean, I don't know how else to say it except that it began to just eat at me. I mean, I would lie awake at night and sometimes just think to myself, why am I still going to Tarshish when I need to be heading to Nineveh? And that's one of the things that, that pushed me to begin studying, I mean, even more, and, and began, began my journey of, of starting to look at eventually moving to Tulsa and perhaps even changing something as fundamental as my religious tradition or my faith tradition and potentially stepping outside of an exclusively apostolic Pentecostal tradition and exploring the historic church or exploring other uh, creedal traditions or other denominations within the Christian tradition, which at that point would have been an absolute insane suggestion. And if someone would have said that to me, I would have said, no, I mean, I, you know, I have my, I have my issues with, you know, with this tradition that I'm, that I'm in, but you know, I don't know if necessarily I need to do that. I mean, I think that there's maybe some, some wiggle room here and that, yeah, I'm kind of a lone wolf on some issues. I have a bit of a maverick sense to me, but at the end of the day, this is just who I am. Um, so, I mean, I think that suggestion would have, would have really, I would have really pushed back against really quickly. And yet that's kind of where I felt myself going even then, even in that moment in April of 2020, almost immediately feeling like, I think this means I'm going to leave. I think this means that I'm on a journey that leads me out of the tradition I'm in. I don't know how, I don't know when, but I, I think that's where this, I think that's what this means. And I think part of what it means for me to go to Nineveh is to stop trying to be a part of a tradition that does not suit my soul, that is not fitted correctly for my soul. Not that there's something innately evil about this tradition, but that there's something about it that bristles at the key part of who I am, at the deepest, I mean, most, most in, you know, integral part of my person, that there's something about me that is not built for this, and that's okay. And I, as a result, need to find something that is suited for my soul, that does fit me a little bit better. And I think that's, that's, part, of, that's part of when I really began to start searching outside of my tradition. Because at that point, even when I was thinking about moving to Tulsa, uh, which obviously I eventually did, uh, I was looking pretty much exclusively at uh, churches within the apostolic Pentecostal tradition. In fact, even visited churches within that tradition uh, prior to moving, when I would go to visit, uh, when I would come up to visit uh, here in Tulsa. I would be visiting those churches thinking to myself, this might be my way to get from Tarshish to Nineveh. This may very well be my Nineveh. I would remark that very often to a close friend of mine who I've had on this podcast, uh, James Shamlin. We would talk about this all the time. And I actually remember one, one night in particular, I was sharing this story with him, and this would have been later in the years. So this was closer to the end of 2020, uh, after a lot of the lockdowns had lifted and when we were really able uh, to, to start 
mingling together again <laughs> um, without as many restrictions. And so we were hanging out one night, and I shared the story with him. And I remember he said, well, Ethan, you just got to go to Nineveh then. Don't, don't be like Jonah. You got to go to Nineveh. And that struck me, the amount of just faith that he had. He didn't question it. He didn't question the voice. He didn't say, Ethan, you probably didn't hear that, or you've interpreted something incorrectly. But he just immediately said, Ethan, if that's what you're hearing, that's what you need to, that's what you need to do. No question. I've appreciated that so much, and I think if, honestly, I would have had that impulse then, um, I don't know. And I've, I've thought about this many times, what it, what it might have looked like for me to go from just hearing that and then acting on that rather quickly and some of what that might have created and, and some of the difficulties that that might have created. I, and I don't know. Um, obviously, that's not something that I think... I could ever reasonably know without doing quite a bit of speculation, but I do know that there is value in listening to that still small voice in you. And I think that's, that's the note that I want to end this podcast today on this part five is even when it seems illogical or irrational to you, sometimes you have to listen to that still small voice in you that pushes you to do the thing that, yes, may be uncomfortable initially, and yes, may seem outside your comfort zone and may feel foreign, but that may very well be the key to your growth. That may very well be the key that unlocks the door that you need to go through. That may be your next step, and there's no way to know until you try. And so I think that's where I want to end this episode today is you will never know if you never try. And you have to listen to that small voice and you have to value the voice of others in your life that know your journey, that know you and know ultimately what's going to be good for your soul and what's not going to be good for your soul. So listen to those voices, most of all, and, and listen to yourself. Your heart knows, uh, as, as cliched as that may be, but your soul knows what's good for your soul. It just does. So listen to your soul. I think that's I think that's pretty much where I'd like to end this part today because I think this could get, could get a little bloated and I really want to have time to, to talk about all the particulars and, and all of the ins and outs of this journey. So I guess I will follow this up with a part six talking about 2021 and maybe into 2022. We'll see how far we get. Um, but thank you so much for listening to this episode and I hope that you join me next time for part six. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Crossroads Conversations. If you enjoyed it, please consider leaving a review and sharing this episode with your friends and your family on social media. Thank you again for listening. I'm Ethan, and I'll see you next time.